Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Monday, March 7th, 2022. Let's take a look at today's charts. At number one, BTC is at $38,429.70, down 2.66%. Ethereum at number two, $2,550.24, down 4.25%. Tether at number three, $1. BNB at number four, $373.86, down 2.94%. USD coin number five, 99 cents. XRP number six, 72 cents, down 4.32%. Terra at number seven, $79.41, down 9.01%. Cardano at number eight, 82 cents, down 4.96%. Solana at number nine, $83.36, down 6.57%. And last but not least, number 10, Avalanche at $72.64, down 5.43%. Let's take a look at the crypto fear and greed index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. So what we got today is extreme fear at 23. Yesterday was extreme fear at 22. Last week was extreme fear at 20. And last month was fear at 33. Let's look at our five articles today. Article number one is Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey versus Warren Buffett and the status quo. Article two, XRP lawsuit. Here's why you should be paying attention to the SEC versus Ripple case now. Article three, dozens of tokens tumble as prolific developer Andre Kronge calls it quits. Article four, Bitcoin to separate from S&P 500 because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And last but not least, Article 5, Russia's central bank is scrambling to prop up the country's economy. Here's everything it's done to stave off sanctions and what it could do next. Before we get into the articles, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's been supporting me throughout this whole year. Thank you so much. If you do have friends or family members that are interested in unbiased crypto news, tell them to catch my way at Dave's Daily Crypto Take on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And if you're in the YouTube space, like, share, and subscribe. Let's get into it, everyone. Article number one, Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey versus Warren Buffett and the status quo. Bitcoin and cryptos reached a major turning point. Why is cryptocurrency worth anything? In a recent interview clip, Jack Dorsey quietly states his opinion on the difference between people who get blockchain and crypto and those who will forever be married to the past. This is a simply stated portion that says it all. People who have questions in the world, people who have curiosity and are recognizing that the current systems, whether they be corporate financial systems or the government financial systems, just aren't working for them. Although the context of his statement is regarding Bitcoin as a native currency for the internet, and in particular, how people are responding to the fact that financial systems just aren't working for them. It is, nevertheless, a perfect statement of how the world is changing. It has already changed into two distinct groups, those that are clinging to the status quo, since it has worked very well for them, and those that want to find a new and better way, because in most cases, the current system did not work for them. It's important to realize that this statement is not coming from a disgruntled outsider, but from a hugely successful founder of Square, now called Block. The fact that a large group of highly successful business leaders such as Dak Dorsey and Elon Musk, although benefiting massively from the current financial systems, are at the same time embracing a new way of thought and action for the future, is at the crux of the issues addressed in this post. Buffett versus Musk and Dorsey and a zero-sum mindset of Methuselahian 
capitalism. There is a war waging between those that are open to and welcoming of Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, DeFi, and other new financial innovations, and those that reject all of it and would like nothing more than to see it stopped by any means necessary. The derision, insults, and disdain lobbed at Bitcoin, crypto, and anyone that believes in them by the old guard, epitomized by Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, are now well known and documented. A few quotes. Probably rat poison squared Warren Buffett in Fox Business interview at 2018 meeting. I think I should say modestly that the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interest of civilization. Charlie Munger, I certainly didn't invest in crypto. I'm proud of the fact I've avoided it. It's like a venereal disease or something. I just regard it as a beneath contempt. Charlie Munger. Interestingly, if you look deeper at the interviews and quotes, you'd see that in spite of the headline grabbing her hyperbole, it's a price speculation that is at the heart of the criticism. The comments that crypto and Bitcoin don't produce anything are ridiculous on their face as if the fiat dollar produces products, services, or anything else. Oh, wait, the dollar does produce inflation, loss in value, and has done so very dependently over the last 100 plus years. Take a stat so that well-known that is almost a cliche any way you put it. A 2013 US dollar, the year the Federal Reserve was created, not coincidentally, would be worth more than 16x what a dollar is worth today. One has to ask where that value is now. Bitcoin, however, has over time only gained value a lot. If Bitcoin is rat poison, maybe the fiat system and the Federal Reserve are the rat. 100-year-old billionaires are apparently not inclined to speak from enlightened self-interest. Or to be kind, perhaps they are blinded by the success they enjoyed in a system that favors anyone at the top of the pyramid, one built on value theft. One very big caveat, however, is clearly that the everything bubble is bursting. Price speculation always ends in price crashes, and the massive gains in the value of various cryptocurrencies are a symptom of a larger systemic emergency, rather than a quality inherent to crypto itself. There's that. The gap between this kind of thing versus that of the forward-looking cryptocurrency proponents and what they consider to be positive innovations is vast in a time where divisive thought is nearly ubiquitous, that is not news. However, the fact that the legions of those that get it are as large as they are, and that they are constantly growing, has clearly taken the debate past the point of no return. To get the full view of this divide, it's important to look just at how nearly 100-year-old duo of Buffett and Munger got to be the legends that they are. All the best-known names are associated with from the initial Berkshire Hathaway purchase of 1962 to more recent investments in companies such as Coca-Cola, Geico, Insurance, R.J. Reynolds, Tobacco, C's Candy, Clayton Homes, and so on. Paint a clear picture of extreme hierarchical and exploitative capitalism that is solely based on making themselves and shareholders rich and doing it on the backs of consumers. An example of thinking of those who do not worship the duo in the nation, David Dayton wrote, America isn't supposed to allow moats, much less reward them. Our economic system we claim is founded on free and fair competition. We have laws over a century-old design to break up concentrated industries, encouraging innovation and risk-taking. In other words, Buffett's investment strategy should not legally be available to him or anyone else. Exactly this kind of double standard corrupt to the core is built on systemic greed founded on Malthusian zero-sum mindset. This is what has led millions to conclude that the system just isn't working for them. Being championed 
add nausea for this lifetime of achievement is part the parcel of the status quo that many from many in a 99% to the new bow 1%, such as Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, Vitalik Buterin, and many others are actively seeking alternatives too. That distinction, being rich and powerful yet not satisfied with the legacy of corruption and greed, is at the heart of the new wave of thought that has made Bitcoin crypto and DeFi a force to be reckoned with. Moreover, seeing the state of the world that centuries of this kind of thinking has engendered is natural for the young and more enlightened to want to search for other ways of, for things to work, ways that perhaps champion something other than monopolistic greed and exploitation. In a recent interview, Elon Musk addressed precisely this issue. How many in the current system are focused on prospering at the expense of others and maintaining a zero-sum mindset? So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey versus Warren Buffett and the status quo. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Article number two, XRP lawsuit. Here's why you should be paying attention to the SEC versus Ripple case now. With Russia hit by sanctions and being cut from the SWIFT system, many crypto watchers in the past few days have been talking about XRP's place in the banking world and the legal tangle of SEC versus Ripple. Verdict to come in a second. During an interview on Fox Business News, Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse shared his thoughts on the progress of the SEC versus Ripple Labs case. It has been in a hectic few weeks of unsealed memos, and despite the ongoing war, the XRP community, was eager to know whether things were looking up for the controversial crypto asset. For his part, Garlinghouse expressed that he felt clarity was coming, he said. And so the case continues to move forward, and we're expecting some decisions from the court, you know, sooner rather than later, as it relates to a couple decisions before the court, but look at its moved slowly. The exec also made sure to criticize SEC Chair Gary Gensler comparison of the crypto industry to the Wild West. Of course, the interview couldn't end without covering the Russia-Ukraine war and the question of sanctions. On the subject, Garlinghouse claimed that the script, some crypto critics did not have enough knowledge about the way the technology worked and were expecting a blanket ban in sanctioned countries. Furthermore, he stated that Ripple was a responsible actor working with the U.S. government. A boost of confidence? It's not just Garlinghouse who was optimistic about the Ripple versus SEC timeline. Crypto lawyer John Deaton, representing tens of thousands XRP holders in the case, also echoed the Ripple CEO opinion about a result coming soon. What's more, he expressed his confidence that unsealed evidence relating to the Hinman emails would help bring about a settlement or even a favorable verdict for XRP's investors. One more thing, he tweeted. We know Clayton was the only commissioner to review the speech before it was given and who provided input. Hinman did not email the speech to Roisman or Hesser Pierce. Why not? Because he likely knew that Roisman and Hesser might speak up about XRP or other tokens. I'm very confident that these emails and extra book notes are huge pieces of evidence that will drive either a settlement or an ultimate victory. We just need the ruling to come down as it should. About a possible ruling, Dina explained, quote, earlier I said either today or Monday. If it's not Monday, I will be shocked if it's not filed by the end of the next week. So there you guys have it. XRP lawsuit. Here's why you should be paying attention to the SEC versus Ripple now. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Article number three. Dozens of tokens tumble as prolific developer Andre Kronge calls it quits. Investors are running for the exit as a mercurial developer leaves DeFi development behind.
Prices for dozens of tokens are plunging on the news that prolific developer Andre Kronge is calling it quits, including prices for many that only have tenuous links to the DeFi maven. On Sunday, frequent collaborator Anton Nell announced on Twitter that he and Kronge were closing the chapter on DeFi development. He tweets, Andre and I have decided that we are closing the chapter of contributing to the DeFi crypto space. There are around 25 apps and services that we are terminating on April 3rd, 2022. Many observers assumed such an announcement was imminent as Kronge deleted his Twitter account and updated his LinkedIn to reflect that he was no longer an advisor to the Phantom Foundation last week. Despite the warning signs, the market has reacted violently to the news. The recently released Solidity hybrid automated market maker has tumbled as much as 75% on the day. Likewise, automation platform Keeper is likewise down 25% and lending platform Iron Bank is down 50%, all funded by uh, Crunch. Broad drawdown, indeed, the effect has been reached in projects that only have tenuous ongoing links to Crunch. For now, years, Kronj has publicly stated that he has not been involved in the day-to-day operations of urine finance, a yield vault protocol he turned over to a DAO with a now mythical fair launch in July 2020. Nonetheless, YFI tumbled as much as 12% and is down 7.5% at the time of writing. Likewise, the tokens of much of the Phantom ecosystem are drastically lower today. Spooky Swap is down 19%, Liquid Driver 17%, Tomb 22%, and Geist Finance 15%. Despite the fact that Kronge was not known to be significantly involved in any of their latest development, lasting impact throughout his career, Kronge has had a strained relationship with DeFi. He often takes to his blog to decry speculators and riff on the psychological perils of building his protocols have driven billions in value and also been hacked for millions. He has taken months-long sabbaticals from the space in the past. Nonetheless, Nell emphasized that the latest exit was not a knee-jerk and is indeed final. From a practical perspective, however, many have noted that Kronge's exit will not impact the operations of many of the protocols he was involved with. While Nell's farewell post noted that many websites will be shutting down as a result of the Paris decision to step away, these sites are merely front ends for largely autonomous contracts Kronge deployed months or even years ago. Indeed, in the hours since the announcement, teams have already begun announcing the launch of new front ends for interacting with these contracts, such as one team replacing Kronge's bribe.crv.finance. The source code is open source. Anyone that would like to continue hosting the service is welcome to. Reads a pop-up disclaimer on many of Kronge's soon-to-be defunct sites. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about this article? Dozens of tokens tumble as prolific developer Andre Kronge calls it quits. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. All right. Before we get into round two of the articles, just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's been commenting and sending messages. Thank you so much to everyone that's been listening in. I know it's been quite crazy with Russia and Ukraine conflict and war. Uh, hopefully it does get resolved and prayers out to Ukraine. Uh, I know I've had a few listeners and YouTube watchers from Ukraine. So thank you so much. All right. Again, Dave's Daily Crypto Take on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And like, share, subscribe on the YouTube space. Let's get into Article 4. Bitcoin to separate from S&P 500 because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. If you're a crypto investor, you may have heard the whispers of how Bitcoin has shown signs of moving in tandem with the S&P 500, NASDAQ, or even tech stocks. However, this is still a matter of debate in the industry. Conscious uncoupling. 
In a recap of the week ending 3rd of March, Masari Insights proposed that Bitcoin's green candle on 22nd of February was a sign that Bitcoin had broken its bonds with the S&P 500 index. Masari Insights noted, quote, on February 22nd, Bitcoin seemingly uncoupled from the S&P 500, hinting at the possibility that the Russia-Ukraine conflict has driven demand for the digital gold alternative and subsequently prompted an industry-wide rally. This is sure to spark discussion and debate in the crypto community as more analysts have been warning of the consequences for investors if Bitcoin is no longer diverse enough to hedge against risks like inflation and world crisis. In fact, in light of Bitcoin's drop to below the $40,000 mark, data from sentiment showed that the S&P 500 also saw a fall. As the week comes to a close, Bitcoin has fallen back to 38.9K while the S&P 500 followed suit. Their correlation remains relevant to when BTC will be able to break out again. Meanwhile, gold climbed back to the same level as when war news broke. Bitcoin's tall green candle on 28th of February also raised hopes that once Bitcoin moved above 40,000, it might successfully pass the 45,000 resistance. This would have paved its way to test the new resistance level of 47. However, at press time, Bitcoin was changing hands at 39,000 after falling by 5.73% in the past 24 hours. Coming to investors' emotions, we can see that weighted sentiment moved into positive territory thanks to 28 February's rally, but then plunged to around minus 1.5 as Bitcoin failed to keep its head above 40,000. What's more, the King Coins tumble affected a significant chunk of the crypto market as well, since most of the top 50 cryptos were in the red at press time. Gold said, be not afraid. As companies worldwide are cutting off access to millions of Russian users, civilians are turning to the tried and trusted safe haven asset, gold. Sentiment noted that gold's price returned to the highs it reached when Russia first invaded Ukraine, thus suggesting that fear and insecurity are never too far off. What's more interesting, however, is that gold is of special significance to the Russian market. A report by Arcane Research stated, since 2008, Russia has accumulated gold heavily increasing its gold reserves from 450 tons to 2,200 tons. As more sanctions reach Russia, the long-term implications of gold could be interesting to follow, with a potential scenario being Russia seeking to use gold for barter. So there you guys have it. Bitcoin to separate from S&P 500 because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Question mark. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, last but not least, the main topic today is Russia's central bank is scrambling to prop up the country's economy. Here's everything it's done to stave off sanctions and what it could be doing next. Uh, three main points in this article. Russia's central bank has doubled interest rates, limited foreigners from moving money, and made other moves in response to Western sanctions. Two, Russia's economy is in turmoil and the ruble is worth less than a penny. And three, two experts explain what Russia's central bank could do next. Western sanctions are battering the Russian economy, and the central bank has been maneuvering in a way it can in order to forestall economic collapse. Last weekend, Russia's central bank doubled its interest rates, snapped up gold in the domestic market to shore up its finances, and it declared that Western countries could not exit Russian investment. Russian banks have struggled after being banned from SWIFT interbank messaging system, and on Wednesday, the central bank announced it was seeing a widening liquidity shortage as its citizens make a run on banks. The central bank needs access to foreign exchange reserves to stop the bank run, but with G7 sanctions preventing access, the domestic economic situation is likely to deteriorate further. John Breen, lead global risk analyst at intelligent firm Sibling, told Insider. 
Russia has kept its stock market closed all week, and some index operators have deemed Russian stocks in uninvestable. The ruble has cratered, and the European Commission said last Saturday that allies would paralyze upwards of $630 billion worth of Russian central bank's international reserves. Sanctions have severely undermined the Russian central bank's tools to prevent economic collapse, Breen said. It was Russia's foreign exchange reserves that helped them cushion the impact of Western sanctions in 2008 and 2014, he added, and those aren't available now. Scores of foreign companies have endured business operations in the country and major fund managers have frozen at least $3 billion in assets exposed to Russia. Russian banks owe a lot of money to Western lenders, and those assets will likely reduce to zero, along with the mass default of Russian creditors, Breen said. Wednesday, Russia banned brokers from selling securities on behalf of non-Russians, imposed limits on foreigners trying to transfer money out of the country, and said they wouldn't be able to collect bond coupon payments on Russian debt. Major rating agencies all downgraded Russia's creditworthiness to junk status this week. So what comes next? While it'd be extremely difficult for Russia's central bank to navigate the coming weeks, a next step for the central bank could be to lean further into energy reserves. Breen said, as oil and gas remain the biggest revenue generators for Russia, the central bank could also attempt to parlay with China, as China holds 13.8% of Russia's foreign exchange reserves. According to Breen, China could possibly help bolster the ruble too. The Russian central bank could look to alter the ruble's reference currency to the Chinese yen, Breen said. But because China and Russia recently settled a 30-year gas deal in euros, this option may not be palatable. Breen noted that cooperation from Beijing is not guaranteed as Western sanctions could target China for assisting Moscow. While Ukraine has made use of cryptocurrencies, Russia probably won't be able to do the same, according to Ari Redboard, head of legal and government affairs at blockchain and risk management firm TRM Labs. I don't think cryptocurrency is a reasonable graph for sanction invasions, Redboard told the Insider. Given the size of Russia's economy, he doesn't think the Russian bank would be able to devise any viable last-minute blockchain solution with enough scale. The open ledger nature of the blockchain will make it difficult for the government to move any large amount of crypto because global regulators will be able to see it. The combination of the lack of liquidity in the crypto market to sustain the Russian economy, as well as strict compliance controls in the larger crypto exchanges, will make it impossible for the Russian bank to even move any crypto, Redboard said. There's not much Russia could do internally given the interconnected nature of the global economy, he said. These next few months will be a very, very difficult time for the Russian bank. So there you guys have it. Russia's central bank is scrambling to prop up the country's economy. Here's everything it's done to stave off sanctions and what it could do next. Comment down below and let me know what you guys think. Okay, last but not least, let's take a look at the article uh, prices one last time. Bitcoin is at $38,429. Ethereum at $2,550. Tether, $1. BNB, $373. USD coin, 99 cents. XRP, 72 cents. Terra, $79. Cardano, 82 cents. Solana, $83. And last but not least, Avalanche at $72. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much for making it this far into the podcast. Again, this is Dave's Daily Crypto Take at Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you're in the YouTube space, catch me on the YouTube channel, Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Like, share, and subscribe. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great crypto day and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.